66 Club, where they can join the club of knowing the 66 books of the Bible. And um, we all need to join that club, amen, that we need to know God's holy word. How many of you got cheaters on your book where you have to find a book in your Bible? Some of y'all got cheaters right there, you know. Some of y'all don't even have a Bible, you just turn one on. That's really cheating right there, you know, that's, that's the ultimate cheat. Um, but we're thankful that we're able to, to come together this morning and share. And uh, we're, going, we're, we're just re- reintroducing you to all of our deacons. And um, because we've been through COVID and all through that. So I've asked all of our deacons over the next few weeks to share their testimony, each one for every Sunday. And David Desario is his turn today. And he's going to come and share with us what God's done in his life. And I'm thankful for it. And you're blessed. I've already got to be a part of the 830 service and and enjoyed that. But we're thankful that he's here with us today. David, you pray for us and, and share this with us. Let's pray, church. Lord, just, uh, I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness and stuff that you give us. Uh, I wasn't free for you. Lord, um, I know that there are people hurting, sick, and, and pain and suffering and mourning. I ask that your, heart, your uh, spirit would comfort them, Lord. Pray that uh, we ask you give thanks in all circumstances, hard when we're struggling, thankful. know that give us an opportunity to see your mercy and your power in our lives. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the praise team saying and how blessed we are as a church. This opportunity to worship you together. Everything we do glorifies you. I pray that you would prepare our hearts to hear Pastor Chuck's message. So last weekend, uh, Pastor Chuck asked me to share my testimony. I began to think about uh, what I wanted to say, and um, I felt like I need to kind of organize this thoughts by you know, writing them down. And so I, I've written something here I like to like to share with you. I'm thankful for this opportunity to share my testimony because it's given me a chance to look back and reflect on my life just how richly the Lord has blessed me throughout my life. I was born in Akron, Ohio, the youngest of three brothers, and I soon developed the best drug problem anyone can have. My, my parents drugged me to church every chance they could. Some of my earliest memories are playing in the nursery at church. In Sunday school, I learned about the Bible, learned how to sit quietly during a church sermon. I participated in church plays, memorized Bible verses, learned how to pray out loud, serve as an usher, and how to sing all the classic hymns. I learned church culture, and, and this helped me fit in several different churches as my family moved from Ohio to Florida, and Georgia, and then back to Florida all by the time I was 14. In every church that I attended, I was able to look the part of a Christian, and, but I was only practicing a religion. I did not have a personal relationship with God. When I was 14, I went with my church's youth group to summer camp. Each night that week, I felt the Lord calling me to come forward during the invitation at the end of the nightly meeting. But each night I resisted the Lord, and I thought to myself, everyone will know that I've been faking it, and I'll be embarrassed. On the last day of summer camp, last meeting, the invitation ended, and the kids that had gone forward were being led out to meet with counselors and pastors, and I thought I had missed my chance again. But suddenly I couldn't resist anymore. I left my seat, and I went forward, and I burst into tears. I was met by my, by my Sunday school teacher, and he asked me what was going on. I explained to him that I needed to get saved and ask Jesus. He actually didn't believe me. He 
thought that I needed to rededicate my life to the Lord or that I needed, needed prayer, but I actually had to convince him that I wasn't a Christian. Then he helped me to pray, and afterwards, he and my family changed my heart. Everyone in my youth group and church was encouraged, was encouraging and happy for me. I didn't feel embarrassed, but I do remember feeling peace. I found out later from a camp counselor that my mom had been praying for me. I told a camp counselor that I had some business to take care of. Looking back, I'm thankful for Christian parents who prayed for my salvation and took me to church. I'm grateful for the, that the Lord kept calling me until I finally answered the call. Thankful for my youth group at First Baptist Church in Stewart, Florida, where I was encouraged to grow in my faith, studying God's word, and maturing my faith. One of the ways I've been blessed throughout my Christian walk is through small groups. In high school, I regularly met with two other members of my youth group to pray and encourage each other. And at the end of high school, I was blessed to be offered a full academic scholarship at Marshall University. I didn't know anyone at Marshall before I arrived, but I knew that Jesus was with me. I believe God was directing my steps during this time, and I wanted to continue serving the Lord while I was at college. During the first week of class, I went to a weekly meeting of Campus Crusade for Christ, an interdenominational Christian ministry on college campuses around the world, now known as CLU. I plugged in right away and made lots of friends, and I joined a small Bible study in the dorm. I continued to grow in my faith throughout college. And I was able to go on two summer mission trips, one in Daytona Beach, Florida, and one in Istanbul, Turkey. I was blessed by God throughout my years at Marshall, including the greatest blessing of, of all by meeting my wife, Elaine, in freshman chemistry class. We dated throughout our time at Marshall, and we were able to serve God together through Clue's ministry. In fact, we still support several missionaries working with Clue around the world. Just this year, I began serving as a faculty advisor for a new Clue ministry at Shawnee State University. Elaine and I were married here in Louisa in 2002. Soon we made our plans for grad school after graduating from Marshall. And again, the Lord was with us, and I believe he directed our path to graduate school in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. After four busy and difficult years in Philly, we were blessed to both find jobs in central Kentucky. We were excited to begin, begin our careers and be back in Kentucky to welcome our, the birth of our first son, Alex, in 2008. In 2009, Elaine was given the opportunity to come back to Louisa and work and eventually own her own optometry practice. Moving to Louisa meant that I would have to give up my dream job at Georgetown College. After I pouted a bit and prayed about it, I felt at peace with the move, and I felt like the Lord was telling me that this was the best place for me. I've come to learn that one of the best, one of the things that makes Louisa such a special place is the importance of family. Honoring and taking care of family is, is valued so highly here, unlike anywhere I've ever lived. We visited the First Baptist Church of Louisa, and we were welcomed and blessed by the preaching and leadership of Brother Rick Frazier, and the emphasis the church put on children and the new of the church. I felt like this is where God called us to serve and join the church. After a couple of years, in 2011, Brother Rick asked me to consider serving as a deacon. I told Rick that I didn't feel worthy of the position of deacon. I also felt that I didn't know enough people in the church, and I still felt like a stranger in a foreign land. Brother Rick told me that deacons are servants, and noticed my willingness to serve. So I agreed to serve as a deacon, and I've enjoyed being a very small part of what God has given me. I know that I'm not special or better than anyone else, and I know that I'm not even a good person. The Bible says in Romans 3.10, there's no one righteous, not even one. In fact, the more I learn about God, the more I realize how, just how sinful I am and in need of God's grace and forgiveness. While serving here with my family, we were blessed again to be part of a small group 
this time joining with several other families who met regularly to study God's word, pray with each other, and build together. Friendships I made through this home group have been a huge blessing and truly life-changing. I'm blessed to have brothers in Christ that I can count on and lift me up when it's hard. I truly have lived a blessed life, and although it's not been easy all the time, I've dealt with challenges of changing jobs and stressful jobs. My wife and I have experienced personal loss with a miscarriage, infertility issues. God bless us a second son. These last few years have been the most challenging. I lost one of my best friends, Justin Chico, in 2019. My father to cancer at the beginning of 2020, and we dealt with the uncertainty of the COVID pandemic. My job was moved online. The government shut down the Wayne's office. Like so many people, we were impacted negatively by the forced isolation. I personally felt loneliness, loneliness like I had never experienced. It was during this dark time that I cried out to God and asked him for help. I said, I need to see you and feel your presence. Then early one morning, I heard my phone beep, and I saw a text from a man uh, named Tysir that I had met on my mission trip to Istanbul, Turkey, 20 years ago. I had met with Tysir several times during the summer of 2001, and I was able to explain to him about Jesus and the Bible, and by the grace of God, Tysir accepted the Lord as his personal Savior. Now, 20 years later, Tysir was contacting me because he was being persecuted for his faith, and needed help. I've kept in contact with Tysir for the last two years. I believe that God used Tysir to remind me that he's always with me. The next Sunday, after I was contacted by Tysir, the church band played the song, There Was Jesus. The Lord spoke to me again, and I felt his overwhelming presence, and I began to cry as I heard his words being spoken. When the life I built came crashing to the ground, and the friends I had were nowhere to be found, I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now. And the waiting and the searching and the healing and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces, every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it or couldn't see it, there was Jesus. After the song, I asked Pastor Chuck if I could share something with you. I shared a bit about what God had been showing me and how he revealed himself to me. Just like the song, I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now. So glad God's promising that he'll never leave us, never forsake us. So maybe you're sitting in church today, and you're like me when I was younger, just going through the motions and ignoring God's invitation over and over. Or maybe you're afraid to serve God because you're feeling lonely. Or maybe you're lonely and need a friend. The Bible says in Proverbs 18:24, there is a friend that sits close to you. His name is Jesus, and I pray that you won't leave here today without him, without taking care of him. I love hearing testimonies about what God's done in people's life. And I love that he's done it in your life, too. And if he has not yet touched you, he, you have that invitation to come unto him, all your heavy laden burdens, and he will give you rest. He'll give you that testimony today. If you would, turn with me in Acts um, chapter 20 is where we're going to be. We're actually going to start out in First Thessalonians, but so you can turn both of those if you would, would like. But what we're going to talk about today is comfort one another. And um, in the Bible, we see a scripture um, that reminds us that the words of Jesus and the words that he gives us in his Bible are there to comfort us in difficult times. And the words that I'm getting ready to read to you in 1 Thessalonians are very comforting. 
Because when we go through difficult times, when we're having hard times, just as David shared with us, because all of us go through those, no matter who you are or, or what you're doing, um, you're still going to have some um, difficulty. Um, David and Elaine are both doctors in their fields, but yet they still have what? Struggles. They still have pains. They still have hurts, just like everybody else does. But the Bible tells us that God's word is there to comfort us. And I want to listen to this, where it speaks of the, the Jesus Christ coming and meeting his church in the sky and catching us up to be with him. And I want you to listen to the words of our of, of Apostle Paul sharing with us how important, how amazing, how comforting will be that day. And I love this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and verse 13. It starts out like this. But I do not want you to be ignorant. If it stopped right there, that would be pretty good because the Lord don't want us to be ignorant. He wants us to know, right? He wants us to be able to understand his words and be comforted with them. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means perceive those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and a voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then when we who are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Today, we need to hear from the comforting words of Jesus. And throughout God's holy word, when we are having a difficult time, when we're having serious issues that are going on in our lives, we need to hear from the Lord and be comforted by these words. Maybe not just these words, but throughout the whole entire Bible, God is always saying, be not afraid. He's always giving us encouragement to trust him and believe upon him that just as David said that he will never leave us nor forsake us but so many times in our lives we are instead of wanting comfort from Jesus we want com to be comfortable in Jesus we want to be comfortable and I know that that sounds like the same thing being comforted by Christ and being comfortable is not the same thing comfortable is one of our favorite words <laughs> it's a goal for many people if you sit back and you ask someone, okay, what's the goal that you have in your life? Well, my goal is that I get a good job, my wife gets a good job, and that we get a nice house, we have good kids, we have a good church, good school system, and we sit back and we're just relaxed and be comfortable. That's a goal for the majority of people that we live with right now in our lives. Our goal is to be comfortable. I've never heard in my life someone say, well, you know what, I'd like to... Um, work real hard in education and get all my degrees and then have a hard time the rest of my life and be uncomfortable. I've never heard anybody say that. But a goal people have is to be comfortable um, in their life. And I have this problem just like you have this problem. The other day I caught myself saying something that was wrong. And I know that shocks you. It shocked me too. Amen. It shocked Jim Gray too. He is a deacon that we might not give a chance to, to share his testimony. Uh, uh, but I, I was being honest. And sometimes when you're honest, it, it's not right. It don't sound good. But I said, to my, I said to this group of people, you know what, I'll be comfortable 
when we finally get this debt paid off. And I don't know if you know our, about our debt situation, but it's, it's I, we cry and try not to mention it so much so I don't cry. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it's, it's, we started out at $2.3 and we're down to almost, we're almost under $600,000 right now. Praise the Lord. And I'm excited. And if anybody, after we get this paid off, ever says, says let's build something else, I might slap them. So don't get in swinging distance of me and ask that question. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I said to someone, I said, you know what? I, w- I won't be comfortable until we get this thing paid off. And the Lord burnt me like you would not believe. He said, you know what you did? You told church people, your brothers and sisters in Christ, that you're, you're helping me lead. And you're telling them if they got a debt in their life, they shouldn't be comfortable. That they should be worrying about that. They said they should have anxiety over something like that. And he shared with me that day something that just changed my heart. You know what? I'm not going to wait and be comfortable when this debt's paid off. I'm comfortable right now. I'm comforted in Jesus is going to take care of us, that he's going to be here with us and take care of that. Because you all got a debt and I got debts, I don't want you to go around worrying about that stuff and having anxiety. I don't want you to go out there and buy a Jaguar <laughs> unless you can afford it. You know what I'm saying? And then you need to start tithing, and then you may not be able to afford that Jaguar, but that's a different sermon. Um, But I think we need to understand that God is interested in us having comfort, but he is not so much interested in us being comfortable. Now, we love being comfortable. That's why Lazy Boy sells all those chairs. And we love being comfortable. That's why everybody likes driving the big trucks. Now, we love being comfortable. That's why we, we have all these things that we have. We love that. But there's nowhere in the Bible where he tells us that he is going to make, get us to a place where we're going to be completely comfortable. The Apostle Paul, the one that we're reading about in the book of Acts, he's getting ready to get on the ship here in the end of this chapter. Every ship he gets on ends up being shipwrecked. Every snake that he passes ends up biting him. Every rock that's around gets thrown at him. I mean, he has struggle after struggle, and tonight we're going to talk about the thorn that he had in his side that he asked the Lord to take away three times, but how many times did the Lord take it away? He didn't. He was never able to be made comfortable from that situation. But what I want to show you is this. In our difficulties, God is going to comfort us in these times with his words. That does not mean that you're going to maybe be comfortable because maybe we shouldn't be comfortable Because if you've noticed, every time we get comfortable, we fall asleep. But if we don't get comfortable, maybe we'll stay awake and do the work that the Lord's called us to do. And we get to look today into a church service from 2,000 years ago. And I love that. I I love that we get a sneak peek of what church looked like 2,000 years ago in the the first church. And today we're going to learn how they met and how they worshipped the Lord. And I'm glad that we have these illustrations in the book of Acts and in the, in the New Testament churches so that we can see how we are supposed to do things as well. So let's start in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. And we're going to see when the church meets, when the church met. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7 this. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. 
So to begin with, to begin with, they met on the first day of the week. We know that the first day of the week is on Sunday. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, um, verses 1 and 2, um, David, if you could find that for me there, it says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. So we see in Corinthians, and, and I, can't, I didn't want to take time to give you every illustration of that, but throughout the New Testament, we see that the first day of the week, that would be Sunday, is when the church met and the church came together. The first day became called the Lord's Day. Some people like to call this the Sabbath. The Sabbath is actually on a Saturday, not the Sunday. But if you want to call this the Sabbath, I'm not going to argue with you on that whatsoever, but I do like to call this the Lord's Day. This is a day that we come together and celebrate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One thing that happened on the Lord's Day that we celebrate is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The day that he come up out of that tomb, and today we still celebrate on the Lord's Day the resurrection from the dead of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The next thing that happened after that happened, the day of Pentecost was on a Sunday, the first day of the week. And that's when the Holy Spirit was given to the church, and that was the birthday of of the church on the first day on Sunday on the Lord's Day so today that we meet on the Lord's Day and we come together and praise the Lord and you know what Sunday ought to be it ought to be a fun day this is not a day of that we can sleep in it's not a day that we have to um, watch only football this day does not belong to the NFL praise the Lord this day does not belong to the lake this day does not belong to the beach if you live in Florida or wherever else is in the world. But this day belongs to who? Jesus. It's his day, and it's the day that we come together and praise his holy name. And you say, oh, yeah, but I'd like to do this. No, oh, yeah, I'd like to do this. And you know what? Church is something you ought to like to do. This ought to be something part of your day. Man, is it Sunday yet? Do we get to go to church yet? Are we, ready? Is it, are we ready? Are we going to church this morning? And it ought to be a place that that's what we get excited to do, that Sunday set aside, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, whenever that may be, set aside to go into God's house and praise His holy name because we get to. It's an awesome opportunity that we could come together. And who meets on Sundays? The people who meet on Sunday are called the Lord's people. The Lord's people meet on the Lord's day. In verse 8, we see this. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. <laughs> so you're looking at me, oh God, preacher, I want you to tell me how you're going to preach on there were many lamps in the upper room when they met together. <laughs> you know what we have to remember is this. Where are we at in the upper room in Jerusalem? We're in Jerusalem in the Judeo um culture their holy day is starts on friday night and ends on saturday evening so when would they have to go back to work they would have to go back to work on sunday morning that would be the normal beginning of their work week we don't understand that because that's not who we are we've always known that we don't go back to work until when 
Monday. But they do it backward, uh, different than us because of their traditions. So the church had to meet Sunday evening because Sunday was a work day. They met in the upper room because they did not have a church building. This was something that belonged to someone in the church that was big enough they come together. But not only that, they were a diverse group, a diverse group from different countries. Some of them were rich. Some of them were poor. They were different colors, different um, cultures, all that stuff. They came together, and the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, yet they were still all one in Christ Jesus. No matter who they were, up until this point, the Jews only sat down and had church with who? Jews. They only sat down with people who looked like them, who had the same wealth that they had, had the same education as them. They only sat down with people like uh, them. But now the church is made up of absolutely who all, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. So we see the Lord's day. Now we see the Lord's people. And now we want to see in just a little part of verse 9, and I don't want to sneak in there and get you reading the story beforehand. Um, we see the Lord's message. The Bible says in verse 9 right there in the middle, at the end of this slide and the beginning of the next slide, and as Paul continued speaking, the Lord has a message. His holy word. He has a people. He has his day. And he has his message. The word of God is important to the people of God. And I want to share this with you and be as nice as possible, but the world does not believe that the Word of God is important to anybody. But we, as a people of God, in the house of God, know that the Word of God is the most significant, important thing that we have today. Because we get to hear from God. We don't have to share our opinions. We don't have to share our ideas. We don't have to share what Mamaw said or what Papaw said. We can hear, thus says the Lord. And we have God's holy word that we have with us that can change us for eternity. Because you know what? Life changes. We move on. They sang this song, Our God is an Awesome God, just a few minutes ago. And TK did a, did a great job on that. And, and that's what we consider today an old song. But when this preacher was <laughs> just started working in 1992, uh, my youth group got up in church and sang, Our God is an awesome God. And I had a smile on my face like you, hey, nothing can wipe it off. Ajax couldn't take it off. I mean, it was huge. I was so impressed with my kids. Everybody, was, everybody sang so pretty, and it sounded so pretty. After church, there was 800-year-old men standing at the door. They looked at me and said, We're disappointed. And we don't want to hear anything like that ever again come out of that group. It stops right now. And I was like, wow, that changed things really quick. And now here we are singing a song, and it's a what? An old song. You know what? It's not changing the message. What we're changing is just us. And the songs and but God's message has never changed. And his message is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ left heaven, came to earth. He died a sinless death without one blemish. He was buried in that borrowed tomb 
And on the third day, he arose from the grave. We can never, ever change that message. That's the message we have to preach constantly. And what we have today is this. The church meets for edification, and that edification comes through the Word of God. And the Word of God tells us this. Preach the Word. If you notice with I and I preach, I preach through the Bible. We try our best to go verse to verse as we go. We can't go always through that or we'd be in that book forever. But what we do is our best is preach through the Word of God. And we do that so that you can't say, well, you know what, he's preaching. He saw me do this, so he's preaching on that. You know what, I'm preaching the Word. The Bible says this in 2 Peter, excuse me, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. Preach the Word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. What we need to be able to be, how we can be successful at First Baptist Church is this. If each and every one of us could leave this room ready to preach. Well, I ain't never preached a sermon. You know what you can do? No matter where you're at, you can always proclaim the good news of God's love. You can tell people exactly what Jesus has done for you. If we could ever one leave here ready to preach, if we could ever one leave this leave his house on this Lord's day ready to pray, that means that what would happen is this: is that we are open in open communication with God Almighty. There's so many people that you it's hard for you to approach. There's so many people in your life that you just don't feel coming comfortable to walking up and talking to. I told them Wednesday night, I'm not that type of person. If I go to Walmart, there's a very rare time that I don't go to Walmart when someone takes on my shoulder and asks me if I can get this cheaper for them or if I know where this is. I have the face of a Walmart manager. I do. Or Food City. Food City is the same way. I mean, I... I just, they're just, they just approached me and asked me, you know, where do I find this? I was like, if I knew where to find that, I'd tell you, but I'd have to call my wife. And, and she'd be able to tell you how to find it. I can't tell you. God is approachable. Because of his son, Jesus Christ, me and you can boldly enter in the throne room of grace. And I pray that every single one of us, when we walk out of God's house, we walk out knowing that we're able to pray to the Heavenly Father who loves us. Cast all your cares upon him for he careth for you. And I pray every single one of us would be ready to walk off into eternity when we walk out these doors. I hope it never happens. Last time I did a funeral, I was with a precious family upon their family grave. And I said, I pray that I don't have to come back up on this hill for a long, long time. And I pray that for all of us, myself included. But what I pray is that as we are here, that he prepares us for that time when we leave this earth and go to heaven. So our prayer is that we're ready to preach, we're ready to pray, and we're ready to die. I was going to say pass on and keep the peace, but I like die better. Because what we need to know is serious that me and you get prepared and that's why we preach the word that's why we preach it every single day
But you know, in that day, on the Lord's Day, people gather together and they hear the preaching of the Word and singing of the Word, but also they experience the power of the Lord. I want you to read with me the story in, in Acts chapter 20, verse 9 through 12. And as we read this, let me share something with you. All you all who fall asleep in church, this one's for you. And we know who you are. And we, we ain't going to call you out, but we could. We could do that, but we won't. Acts chapter 20, verses 9 through 12. Acts chapter 20, verses 9 through 12. And in a, win and in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcame by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. I'm sorry that I giggled, but I just like, like hearing that every now and then. I've prayed a few times that you all fall out of your chair. But I, no, I didn't. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, Do not trouble yourself, for his life is in him. Now when he had come up and broken bread and eaten and talked a long while with him, even till daybreak, he departed. And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. And they were not a little comforted. Excuses, excuses, excuses. We give them every day. And I, I want to share, I have a different view of Eutychus um, than most people have. And if you are having a baby, you ought to think about Eutychus. We could call him Eudy. Or cuss. Either way. We, could, we can get it going on. But Eutychus, I, I'm not going to get on to him. I, I, don't, I don't give him a hard time. Because it was late in the evening. The room was, was probably hot. Um, and I'm sure that the sermon that Paul was preaching was not boring. I would love to hear the Apostle Paul preach in my life, in, in, in heaven I, I, I hope and pray and I know we will be able to sit under Jesus and hear him but I just wonder if we'll be able to hear from the Apostle Paul and hear his, his sermons and such but whatever it was it being hot, it late he could have been a slave because he was a teenage boy he could have worked the whole entire day and been just completely exhausted. But he fell asleep, and he fell out of the window. The fall from the upper room killed him. However, Paul stopped his sermon and went down to the bottom floor, raised him from the dead, and listen what happened. And the church got to experience the power of the Lord at work. There was absolutely no one to blame. Um, I don't blame the boy, and I don't blame Paul for preaching the sermon. But there is someone to praise, and his name is Jesus. I think what we do in church today, in our own spiritual life, sometimes we try to figure out who to blame. But instead of trying to figure out who is to blame, maybe we should try to figure out who is to be praised. And his name is Jesus. And if we would quit blaming people and start praising Jesus, our lives would completely different. 
And I know that everybody says, well, Eutychus, uh, he, he should have stayed awake. This was an important day. This was the Lord's day. And I say amen to that. But we don't know what Eutychus has been through that day. He may have been working the whole entire day. He may have been sick. He, we have no idea what was going on in his life. I'm just so thankful that Eutychus showed up to church. I'm just so thankful that he was trying and fighting to stay awake to learn more about the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm just glad that he was in that battle, that he was there, present, fighting the good fight, and that's what he's having. And he might not have been, shouldn't have sat on the windowsill, but maybe he said, you know what, I'll sit on this windowsill, get a little bit of fresh air and wake up, and you know what, that's not what happened. And he fell out of that window, and he passed away. The church needs to see the power of God church does not seem need to see the blame of the people but the power of the lord when i was a kid we had a my dad was a pastor and he he had a song leader who um i thought was old at the time but when i texted my my mom the other night he was actually younger than i am right now but when i was 13 years old i thought he was old but now that you, if you're 13 years old i want to share something with you i'm not old i just feel old sometimes but he would sit behind my dad in those big fancy chairs. You know what I mean? He had the, had the chair, and he'd fall asleep. And as a 13-year-old boy, that was the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life. My dad up there just preaching his heart out, wah, 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 and he's just snoring. And, man, it would tickle us, and we'd, we'd take bets on how long he'd sleep. And we, we, we were back there trying to figure out, you know, we had another path. We had another guy. He was a guy in our church, and he'd get up and pray. And my dad called on him and prayed. Man, we got so excited we couldn't see straight because we all got our watches out. And we'd bet on how many minutes he'd pray. Like, I, go, I got five, I got five. And no, no, three, three minutes, ten minutes, I got ten minutes. And we'd bet on, see, you all are much better people than me right there. But this, this guy, he was, he'd, he was sleeping behind my dad while he was preaching. But then when he would wake up in the most strangest parts of the sermon, and he'd say, Amen! Scare us all half to death. And every time he woke up, he'd say, Amen. And we laughed at him, and a few years later, he, he died of a massive heart attack because he had a sleep problem, a heart problem that was making him fall asleep, and nobody knew about it. See, I made you all feel so bad laughing at that guy. Imagine how I felt. You know what I'm saying? We have no idea what somebody's going through. When I look out and some of you all falling asleep, I don't get upset at you. I'm just glad you showed up. I don't mean bring a pillow. You know what I mean? Uh, but if you fall asleep, I'm not going to be offended. I'm just glad you're fighting the fight and you're trying to, trying to battle that. I just want you to be here hoping and praying that you hear what God has for you to hear. And what happened is this. He, they got to see the power of God and the church was not a little comforted. They were comforted by the power our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has. And that's what we need. When you walk into God's house, you need to be able to be comforted by the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You need to be able to leave comforted. I don't want you to leave knocked down, dragged out, beat up, bleeding. I want you to leave saying, you know what, I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But praise the Lord, God has forgiven me and made me white as snow. But then also, they took the Lord's Supper. In verse 11, we see, Now when they, he had come up, and he had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, 
even till daybreak, they departed. And verse 7 says, Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. You know what? They got to fellowship together. This was a beautiful time to share together. By sharing a meal together, they bore witness that they were one in Christ Jesus. Slaves, at this time, for the first time, got to eat at the same table with everybody else. And I know that that might not be anything major to you, but to them it was the most amazing thing in the world. It was unheard of. But the slaves sat at the same table as the masters. The rich sat at the same table as the poor. Because you know what? The ground at the cross of our Lord and Savior is level. And that's the blessing that we have. The breaking of the bread and the drinking of the cup was to be done in remembrance of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We don't ever want to forget what he's done for us. And every good pastor, Baptist preacher of that, always tries to give you a Spurgeon's quote. Have you noticed that? And this is my favorite Spurgeon quote of all time. He said this from the pulpit. Folks, remember, if you fall out of the balcony during the sermon, there are no apostles here to restore you. <laughs> An end quote. So, Tim, if you fall out of the balcony up out of the... There, there's, you'll crush a few people. Other than that, we'll be all right. But we know that there's a beautiful opportunity today to get ready. And the church should get ready today. Because we have no idea what the Lord has in store for us. And today, me and you both are either being comforted by the words of the Lord or we are not being comforted by the words of the Lord. And my question is, where are you? When we read God's holy word about that he has gone to prepare a place for us, that he has forgiven us of our sins, and he has saved us, and the only thing we have to do is call upon the name of the Lord, my question is, does that bring comfort to your heart? Or does the word of God bring no comfort to you whatsoever we need to make an understanding a clear decision that we know that when we hear God's word as a believer it should bring comfort to our hearts it don't have to make us comfortable and it should not always make us comfortable but it should make us comforted comfort us knowing that he is in control there was a time when the world was more comfortable with God. I would like to be able to say there's some of you all old enough here to remember that time, but I don't have to say that because every single person in this room can say amen to that. You can remember a time where this world was more comfortable with God, that you could say stuff in the community and it not be yelled at. You can sit around your table and your family reunion and not be rebuked for telling people about Jesus Christ. You, you can love on people in the community with, with, with the ministry and with the, with the mission of God and not be con, and considered a crazy person. There was a time if you belonged to our church at First Baptist Church of Louisa, Kentucky, it helped you 
as a standing in our community. But today, we have unbelievable pressure to leave God out of our life completely. And I know that some of us, me and you, maybe at a certain age, live in a bubble where we don't feel that pressure. But the rest of the kids around us and even the, the younger adults around us feel that pressure every single day of their life. And those people, they need to hear God's holy word. If we live in trash, if we walk through mud, if we walk in this world on a daily basis, we need to hear from the God and be comforted by his words because we live in a filthy, broken world. And I want to share with you and remind you of a lady named Mary Magdalene. Mary had an unusual start with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 2, we see that Jesus cast out seven demons out of her and she became a follower of Jesus Christ. She learned at the feet of Jesus. She was comforted by Jesus hearing all his words. And I can only imagine her hearing him tell them John chapter 14 verses 1 through 6. And Jesus didn't say, I'm going to quote John 14, 1 through 6. He just said it. And you know what he said? Let not your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. And I can only imagine her hearing the Lord say that. Because her, hearts were, her heart was troubled. All of their hearts were troubled. And they, she is saying that. And then he says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, what would have Jesus done? He'd have told us. If Jesus, if there was only going to be a limited number of, hey, you know what, you hurry up, we ain't got but two or three left. There's still room where? At the cross for Jesus, with Jesus. And, the, and Jesus looked and said, and, I, and where I go, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there may you may be also. And I love this in verse 4. Where I go, you know, and the way you know. And all those disciples heard that, but only one, Thomas. Thomas was like, Jesus, we have no idea what you're talking about. What are you, where are you going and how do we know to get there? We, we have no idea. And I am so glad that some of us are not Jesus. <laughs> because if it was me, and, and Thomas said, Jesus, I don't know. I'd have said, Thomas, I told you three times. How many times I got to tell you? And slapped him right upside the head. You know what I'm saying? How We're going to kill him or he'll never learn. You know what I'm saying? It'll be one of those lessons. But Jesus had mercy on Thomas and the disciples. Even though that he had already shared with them, about his death, his burial, and resurrection, we know three times. He still did what? Had mercy and love upon them, and he said this. I am the way, the life, and the truth. I'm the, the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh by the Father but through me. He gave them one more chance, another chance to know who he is and how they could get to heaven. We should be comforted by these words today.
Mary should have been comforted by those words. We are comforted by Christ. Not necessarily comfortable. But I want you to go with me a few years later when we find Mary at the cross. Then after the cross, she's the first one we find at the tomb on Sunday morning. And in John chapter 20, I want you to hear the, ver the words of Mary. But I'd ask for you to put her sandals on for a few minutes. Remember the song that, that David um, read to us. And as I read this, I want you to pay attention to Mary. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, kind of count with me how many times weeping or wept is mentioned. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. As she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around, and listen, <laughs> there was Jesus. Remember that song? There was Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And when Jesus said her name, she turned to him and said, Rabbi, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to who? My father and your father. To my God and to your God. Even though Mary got to walk with Jesus and hear all those comforting words that he shared while he was on earth, at that crucifixion, it broke her heart. And she felt like she was separated from eternity for the one that she loved so much. That made her be the first one at the tomb to take care for, to finish caring for the one that she followed and loved. She was weeping to the point where the angels noticed it, and even Jesus noticed it. But while she was weeping, while she was crying, Jesus had already defeated death. Jesus had already won the victory. We need to be reminded today and comforted by these words in that we so many times do not understand what's going on, and we panic and we cry and, and do all these things. But in our tears, in our weeping, in our crying, 
We just already have victory in Jesus Christ. We today have that. And I am so thankful today to be able to say in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4, Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. We stand in need today to hearing a comforting word from the Lord. And we need to use the word of God that has been given to us to comfort one another. Because we live in a broken world. We live in a hurtful world. And people are going through things that we have no clue what people are going through. And instead of blaming someone, instead of being upset at someone, you know what we can be? Are people that can understand that God is still working in absolutely every single one of us. And that what we want to do is not get on to Eudicus. Man, come on. You don't have to fall asleep in church. You can stay awake. Right now, if I yawn, I can get every one of these to yawn. It's contagious, isn't it? We can do that. No, I'm joking. Uh, we can blame you. Uh, see, I won. <laughs> Three or four of you already started yawning. And there's a, no, it's just because it's a boring sermon in this time. Um, but we can blame Eutychus and say, you could do better than that. We could blame Mary and say, Mary. You could do better than this. You had all these opportunities. You, you heard about this. You should have known that he was going to be resurrected. This shouldn't have been a shock. You should have known better. Or I could come to myself and say, Chuck, man, you could have done better. Penny, you, Henry, you could have done better. But instead of blaming one another, maybe what we ought to do is take this time on his day to praise his holy name. To thank God that he came to us broken people and gave us a chance. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's a table prepared by the Lord in heaven. And every single one of us will be sitting at that table one day. Every single one who has believed upon him, trusted in him, comfort each other with these words. Are you being comforted by God's word or are you left unchanged? God's working on your heart today. Respond to the gospel and say yes to Jesus Christ. If you're like many believers who have lost their desire to follow the Lord and became the only ones who want to be comfortable, you know what? Be comforted that you might not be comfortable, but you'll have your life in the hands of Jesus today. Well, God, we love you.